What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Cheney Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm, Celtics beat writer for Mass Live. I'm joined by Nicole Yang of the Boston Globe and our good pal Chris Grenham of Forbes. Today we'll be talking about the draft. I mean, I guess we can start with friend of the show, Kevin O'Connor's report that the Celtics have been trying to trade up, packaging their three picks, the 14th, 26th, and 30th pick. However, their efforts so far have been unsuccessful. My first reaction to that is like, well, yeah, that was sort of expected, just given the roster crunch that they're on, the number of picks they have. Sort of what do you guys make of KOC's report? One of my first reactions, Tom, I think you tweeted it in response to someone this morning, but I don't know how much just straight up offering their three first round picks is going to get them. Like, I think they might have to add a little bit more value in there. Also, Nicole, to second your thought, like, yeah, this was pretty obvious. Like it was an inevitable report. They can't use all these picks, so they're going to have to shop them around at least a little bit. Obviously, Celtics fans have their targets, guys like Onyeka Kongu, Killian Hayes. But my main thought was something that Tom, did you tweet that out this morning or did I imagine? I did. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense that they're probably going to have to add in another young piece, maybe swap one of the picks for a young piece. I don't know, but just those three picks alone might not get you into the mid lottery. And I would take that one step farther too. Like, you know, Nicole, you said, well, yeah, obviously, like we expected this report because we knew they were trying to shot their picks. I would also say, I think it's kind of obvious that teams would not take the Celtics up on this for three reasons. Number one, you're doing Danny Ainge a favor if you take three picks off of him and give him a better one. Like, thank you. Like, I don't see why anybody would do that. And then, you know, number two, most other teams are going to deal with a somewhat similar roster crunch to the one the Celtics are going to deal with. Like, it's not like there's a bunch of teams out there. There's certainly teams with a lot of need, but it's not like, you know, there's a lot of teams that are just like, man, how in the world are we going to fill three slots on our roster? That doesn't happen very often. And so, and to, and to me, even the idea of adding in one of their young pieces, that doesn't change that equation much. Like, let's say the Celtics like took out the 30th pick and added Romeo. You're still giving another team three guaranteed contracts to try to like mash into their roster. Like that's not easy. Yeah. Other than a team like the Pistons that like really need, could use like some compiling of assets. The Pistons are kind of the one counter. But you're right. But other than them, like you're exactly right. Like who wants to take on all those guaranteed contracts when they potentially don't even have the spots? I guess sort of to Tom's point, I'm interested in what they would potentially package. Like, would they be willing to put in Grant Williams, especially if the end result is Anyeko Okonglu? Like, would they be willing to package Romeo, Carson? I'm curious to see what it would take and what the Celtics would be willing to give up. 
I would almost push back a little bit and say that like I feel like Grant would be the very baseline. The 30th pick has more value than a lot of the guys sort of at the end of Boston's roster. And, and that's not like a shot at those guys. It's just that like, I think the 30th pick has much more value than Carson Edwards, not because I think that Carson Edwards is bad, but because Carson Edwards is what he is and we've seen what he is. Whereas the 30th pick could be anything. That type of flexibility is a lot more valuable. So, you know, it kind of depends how much value you think the 200 minutes that Romeo played this year has or the, you know, however many minutes that Grant played this year has. But like, I just kind of don't see a ton of trade value there, which makes me think that like Grant, who played some during the playoffs, is the very base. You know, maybe Rob is a step above. And like, I feel like a lot of teams like higher up would be asking for more. Like, I think that teams who are higher up are going to be asking for smart. And I don't think the Celtics should or will give that up, which is why I kind of don't think a deal is going to get done. With that baseline, I agree that Grant's definitely there. I might add Romeo there just because of the upside. I mean, granted, the injury problems were pretty clear in his first year, but I think the upside kind of presents a similar value to what the upside of, say, the 30th pick would, because that's the appeal of a draft pick, right? You don't necessarily know what you're getting, and there is that potential upside. So I think that's why Romeo would kind of be added into that group with Grant Williams, but I agree. Like, I I think the asking price is much higher than a lot of us are assuming. You know, I don't think Carson Edwards has a whole lot, if any, of trade value. I can't see a, a team in the top eight, I would say, really saying, oh, he's the guy we want. Let's throw him with two first rounders and you got yourself a deal. Danny, come use our pick. Like that just doesn't make much sense. Obviously Grant and Rob are like treasures to the Celtics fan base. But I guess if they are trading up to draft a player like Onyeko Kongu, like you wouldn't need Grant and Rob presumably because that would address sort of the problems that they've had at the center position. So it makes sense that they would be parts of that package. And I feel like the Celtics would be willing to part with them. It's, I guess, whether other teams would be interested in acquiring them. Yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do with, like, the certainty of if you're trading up, you have to know you're going to be able to get Onyeka at whatever pick you're trading up to. Because, say, you give up those guys with the thought that you're going to get him at, I don't know, seven or in the mid-lottery, and then he goes, the Wizards trade up to five, and then they take him at five, like, which is my dream. But then they're screwed because they just gave up part of their young front court and they still don't get their guy. The question I would ask, though, is, like, are you screwed in that scenario? Because, like... Like, yeah, like you don't want to give up Rob. There's a lot of promise there. You don't want to give up Grant. There's a lot of promise there. But like if you did, Tice would just be the starting center next year yeah. anyway. And you could just do this again next offseason. I, I don't I don't I don't know for sure that they'd be completely screwed in that scenario. Yeah, because then they'd be getting a really fair. good backup player. So yeah. is Anyeka the top target though, if they trade up? Is that who you guys would identify as like the guy? So my big board, I had Killian Hayes number one and Anyeka number two. So for me it came down to like your big board for the Celtics, not like the Celtics. For the Celtics specifically, yes, correct. For me, it came down to, like, what things are you addressing, right? So, like, a Kongwu, you're addressing, a like, a starting caliber center, and that's really valuable. Like, there's no question. I'm not sure that he would be that in his rookie year, and I think there's some concern there, you know, like, you're trying to win now. But I think if you go get Killian Hayes, what you're doing is you're addressing the bench issue, you're addressing the backup point guard issue, and not for nothing, you're addressing the what happens in a year if Kemba's knee continues to be bulky issue. So, like, if you can do all three things of those, I think there's a lot of value there. That's why I kind of think that they should use, you know, either the 14th pick or if they trade up for a, a potential starting quality point guard down the road. Do you think that at the 14th pick, the drop-off is significant enough that it's worth trading up? Or is the reasoning behind them wanting to trade up more just for like roster consolidation and things like that? 
I like 14. I think there's some really good talent there. Uh, I think there is too. Again, we've said it before on here, but this draft did kind of get a bad rap just because the star quality isn't all that great. But there are nice depth pieces as you move down in this first round. And so I think it might be worth staying at 14 and then maybe you consolidate the back end first rounders to move up into like the low 20s or late teens and you can grab a wing there if you get Kyra Lewis at 14 and then you get a shooter and a wing with the second pick that you trade up. I don't know. There's there's a lot of other possibilities if you stay put at 14. You know, it's funny because I think that one of the benefits you get from staying at 14 is like, okay, so let's say you get the number eight pick and the guys that you liked are off the board. Like, let's say a Kungu and Hayes are both off the board at eight. At that point, it's like a little too high to take RJ Hampton. Like, you can't just like grab RJ Hampton at eight. But if he's there at 14, it's like, well, okay, so this guy, if he fixes his jumper, has actual kind of star potential. Like, he's that kind of athlete. He's that kind of passer. He can do all of these things. And like, his jumper just isn't quite broken enough to where I'm like, he's never going to be a shooter. Like I, I could see it down the road at some point. I know you don't totally agree with me, Grenham, but like well, more, I more agree now after seeing over the last couple of weeks, what he's done with Mike Miller, he has made some very legitimate adjustments and the base of his shot is like light years better than it was this time, even six months ago. And so the fact that he can make those adjustments in such a compacted period of time shows what an insane athlete one, this guy is and two, how much more he could grow in the next year. I'm much more, more on board with RJ than I was six months ago. I think it's very reasonable to think that those kinds of things could be fixed. But the larger point that I'm that I'm trying to make is like, you know, at number eight, you might take like a, a Devin Vassell, who's yeah. a very nice player and, and will probably be a, you know, a starter in the NBA. I don't think he's going to be a star, but I think he's going to be like, a, you're getting a starting guy. quality wing. That's really good. Yeah. But at 14, especially if you're the Celtics, you can kind of afford to take a little bit of a shot on somebody. And like, I think there's some real value to that. And I think if you add in the possibility of maybe being able to trade up later on in the first round, you consolidate those two back-end picks, it allows you even more so to take a flyer at 14 on someone like RJ's. If they were to stick put, they have a lot of flexibility still. So it sounds like both of you don't think they're going to trade out. I just don't know if they'll be able to. That's the I, think they're gonna, I think they're going to try. Right, right. But you ultimately don't think that it will come together. I'm starting to come around to the idea that it's going to depend on whether, and I, and I don't think that they will be, I think it's going to depend on whether they're willing to trade Marcus Smart to get the number two pick. Because I think that there is a, you know, a non-zero chance that Charlotte trades up for the number one and they take James Wiseman right. and then the Warriors get a little bit more aggressive looking to move their pick. And then the Warriors say to the Celtics like look you can have number two like if you want Anthony Edwards like you know be my guest but we want Marcus Smart to you know help these guys try to win a championship I wouldn't do that oh, <laughs> um, no. if I were God you think you think election day Twitter is bad try the day that the Celtics <laughs> trade Marcus Smart for Jesus. a draft pick God, in a draft that, that nobody be... likes the lottery. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So that's kind of where I, what I think the, the trade up is because yeah, like I don't think that the number six pick is going to be available for 14, 26, and 30. I don't think seven, you know, whatever. Like I just don't see it. So then not to pivot completely, but I do think Marcus Smart is tradable. I don't think by you saying they wouldn't trade him for the second pick, that doesn't mean like you're saying he's untouchable. In what scenario, like, would the Celtics trade Marcus Smart then? For a Giannis type player or for like a Bradley Beal? Like, I know why they would hold on to him, but like, in what situation do you think they would make him available? I think you, I think you pretty much nailed it. Like, I just don't think you trade smart for like an unproven thing. Like, you, you, you hope that like Anthony Edwards is going to become a starter in the NBA and all this stuff. Like, you don't know. And like, whereas Marcus Smart is a starting quality guard, like he's really good. 
my beat partner, John Corrales talks about this all the time, but he says like, he, th- he thinks that smart's available too, but smart is a very appealing part of the package that you put toward like a Bradley Beal or you put toward a, you know, a Giannis or whatever it might be, but you know, that, that type of thing. Interesting. And Chris, you also don't think they're going to do it or they won't be able to do it. I don't think so. I agree with Tom in terms of the Marcus Smart thing, like including him in a deal for some undetermined player or maybe some player who you don't even know a lot about at this point just doesn't seem all that likely. But I do agree with Tom, like that's probably the only way they do get a deal done moving up into that higher end lottery because it's just seems like they're not going to have a lot of takers in the mid lottery as great as that scenario would be. I, I don't know who, who really knows, but I don't really see that happening. Can you imagine if the Celtics traded Marcus Smart for the guy that everybody says, like, I'm just worried that he doesn't try hard enough with Anthony Edwards or LaMelo Ball? Jesus Christ. Yeah, you go from all-out effort and winning mentality to to those two. It's like, oh, boy. To the guy who's been, who's been like, I really hope he's not Deion Waiters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be a concerning transition, to say the least. If they trade up to two, do you think that they would, like, pursue one of the, I guess, quote-unquote, top prospects in the draft, like Anthony Edwards or LaMelo Ball or James Wiseman? Like, do you see any of those candidates as, like, legitimate possibilities? Yeah, I mean, a guy like Edwards who's just, like, super athletic, he's good at creating space, and he, but he's not, like, the shooter that the Celtics are really looking for. And he's got some some motor issues, maybe some effort issues. Like, I don't know. There's some concerns I have with him because it feels like, to me, you're really heavily relying on that athleticism, which doesn't always go well. But you would have to think that if they do trade up into that high slot, like he has to be one of the guys on their radar, right? You can't not consider him there. I would agree with you to an extent. I think for me, it depends on what the Celtics board looks like. I think it would be like really bad kind of basketball draft process to trade up you know, into the top three and then just like, like, let's say, all right. So my board right now for the Celtics is Killian Hayes, Anyaka Kongu, and I can't remember who I had number three. It wasn't, but let's say it's Anthony Edwards at number three. Let's say I trade up for the number two pick. And then all of a sudden I'm like, well, I got to take Edwards because I'm in like the Anthony Edwards range now. But I have Onyeka Kungu number two on my board, or I have Killian Hayes number two on my board. Like you just, to me, you just take the guy who is highest on your your board. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it just depends on who the Celtics are targeting. Follow your order. Don't adjust your board just because your board. position swaps. Like yeah. don't don't change the board. I I totally agree. Don't follow everybody else's mock drafts. Like I mean, I think part We're of all that a bunch like of dummies. Think about I like think, <laughs> yeah. I think part of that is I had similar thoughts when people were talking about the Warriors shipping picks around and just kind of moving around to the point where like if they were to trade back into the lottery or something like that for someone to move up into their slot, but they're so high on Denny. My point, just like if you're that high on him, just like take him in your slot. I don't really see what's wrong with that. The Celtics probably could have traded back even farther and still gotten Jason Tatum. But like, why? Like, Go just get take your him guy. number three. You did all the homework on him. Like, yeah, you know why you like the guy. Like, yeah, exactly. It, it doesn't matter off. where you take him. Exactly. Test your reasoning. hundred percent. Tatum would argue that the Celtics should have drafted him at number one. <laughs> yeah. Tatum still does. He still does. Have yeah. him and they should have left him for Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> he still tells Danny that Danny. He owes him money. Him, yeah. However many <laughs> hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars. Probably a couple million. Yeah. Danny will make sure he's, <laughs> he'll get it I back. Think, I think he'll get the million. Yeah. I think he'll be fine. <laughs> all right. So if the Celtics do hang on to all of their picks, There hasn't been that much discussion with like what they might do with number 30 or 47, which they have in the second round. Who are some of the names that you guys like sort of at the back end if they do hang on to everything? 
So do you want to start with 30 or should we jump back into the second round one? Do you want to start with 47? Yeah. I mean, 47 (laughs) is my range. Let's, let's go. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. So I think if there's like a slide, someone, I don't expect him to be there at 47, but a player like Grant Riller is definitely intriguing with a second round pick because he's someone you could potentially use a two way deal on if you're trying to work around that roster crunch. And he's a good scorer and he would work well as a depth backcourt piece for them. I'm not sure if that's what they'd be looking to use that late pick, but like he'd be a good guy to, to develop there. Similarly, a guy like Peyton Pritchard, who I, I know his stock has been rising of late, but that's another backcourt scorer that could seemingly help them out quite a bit. Uh, but there's other guys. I mean, Killian Tilly, we've talked about if teams are really concerned about that injury history and he falls down the board, that's an absolute no-brainer. Again, I don't think he'll be there at 47, but if you had the chance to take him in the early 40s or something like that, like that's a no-brainer just because of his talent alone. Well, the, and the interesting thing to me about 47 is like you keep saying like there's no way this guy's going to be there, there's no way this guy's going to be there, but like somebody's going to be there. Yeah. You know, like in a draft like this, like somebody is going to be down in that range. Like, you know, you look They might like, run out of players. There may be no one there. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. This is this is how I get into the NBA. I've all, I've always known it. So, there will be enough players to go through two rounds. <laughs> but like you know, it's interesting to look at. So like you, you look at like you know Sam Vecini's board. Obviously, yeah. Sam does great work at the Athletic. But like okay, so from forty to fifty, here's what he has: Tyler Bay, Azabuki, Sam Merrill, Devon Dotson, Jordan Wara, Jamias Ramsey, Peyton Pritchard, Skylar Mays, Killian Tilly, Vernon Carey, Jay Scrub. Like all those guys are kind of interesting like you know you you said like okay like this guy might not be available this guy might not be available and you're probably right but then at that point you start look a little bit higher and you say okay is Nico Mannion gonna slip that low because at 47 he's pretty intriguing is Emmanuel quickly like I would consider him at 30 I think he's actually gonna be pretty good Emmanuel quickly is good somebody's gonna slide that low and and I think that's one of the really nice things I think if you're the Celtics in a draft that's pretty flat but very deep some drafts are sort of like uh ocean where it's like really deep and then it gets like shallower and shallower and it stinks. This one's just kind of a swimming pool. Like it's all just like level. I like that. Pretty deep. There's a lot of good stuff. I mean, do you think they would shoot for, say they keep 47? There's a lot of good scores at that back end. Like a lot of those guys you just mentioned, they're solid scores that they could develop. There's also guys like Nate Hinton who are probably going to be around back then from Houston. And I like his game a lot. And I think he'd be a useful guy to have in Maine for a year or just kind of have in the system in a way. He's a great rebounder, good on defense. There's a lot of tweeners back there too. But like you mentioned, Jay Scrub, like he's the epitome of a good high-end project that you could really work on developing. I mean, he's got raw talent. He was, he was going to be good at Louisville if he, if he did go there. Like I'm pretty confident in that and he's talented as hell. So that's an intriguing one. Big too. Like I, he's big. He's athletic as hell. Like his feel for the game still, he's very raw. He's very, very raw. Like his feel for the game needs a lot of work, but I know the Celtics have had a lot of back and forth with him over the last couple weeks. That would be a promising project to go after in the second round. Yeah, I kind of think that there's like a little bit of momentum behind him where I'm not 100%. Like, I know I just said like, oh, somebody's going to be available. But like, you know, somebody think, I'm like, yeah, I don't know that he's going to make it to 47. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. Do you think their approach changes at that point in the draft? Like, do you think they just go with the best available? Or do you think that they're still operating under like the need-based like uh shooter, big man, that type of thing? I think you go best available, but I also think that like one of the reasons I really liked the Tremont Waters pick is like in the second round, you can just kind of afford to take guys who can just kind of hoop. If they were a little bit higher in the second round, I would love a pick like Cassius Winston. You just know that guy's going to get some buckets. Like he mm-hmm. can't play any defense. Like he's too small, but like, man, that guy can just like score. And like to quote Uncle Drew, like the game has always been about buckets. Like, <laughs> 
Like, you got to score to win. So, like, I feel like Cassius Winston, I, th- I think that there could be a place for him in the league. So, like, I think that's one of the nice things about, you know, the second round is you can kind of afford to just be like, look, I think Tremont Waters can play basketball, and I want to see what he can do in the NBA. I also think, like, there's a couple bigs that will be hanging around back then that might be Paul worth Reed. taking. Yes, Paul Reed. But he <laughs> will he will be gone by then um, because I'm just praying that someone thinks the same way I do, which <laughs> the high possibility that's not the case. But uh, a guy like Caleb Wesson from Ohio, Ohio State, who's a really good shooter and has basically transformed his body in the last year and seems to be trending in the right direction. Like, that's another guy who can just go get you a bucket as like a pick and pop big. And that is always a nice thing to have in your system. Like, that's another interesting name to throw out there. But one, one other big that I think is kind of interesting um, is Nick Richards. Like, yeah. I know there's a lot of people who don't like him, but like, Look, two years ago, he wasn't even close to an NBA prospect. This guy, like, like he's going, you know, to some garbage overseas league. Like, he looked awful. And then he managed to turn himself into somebody who actually was, like, a valuable piece at Kentucky. And I think there's a lot of value in that, like, of a guy who just kind of puts his head down and says, I'm not good enough. Let me do the work. Yeah. And then he goes out and does the work. Like, yeah, I mean, he, he's another guy that I, I know he's not, like, a perfect prospect, but I kind of like that mentality that he showed at Kentucky. You can take a shot at a big, too, at yeah. that point. And you get a guy with that size and throw him in the cell system like good things will probably happen if a guy like that lands in a decent system and if they don't use the 47th <laughs> yeah it's okay exactly that's right I guess we can move back up to the 30th pick. It's funny, looking at mock drafts, literally everyone has the Celtics picking Leandro Balmero with the 26th pick. <laughs> and it's funny, too, because it's like, like if I was a team at, like, 24, I would pick off Balmero and tell the Celtics, like, hey, give me 30. You can have him. All right, I guess I have to do that. Like, <laughs> I was thinking about that, though. It's like, I mean, the Celtics haven't really showed their hand, but it's just so obvious. too obvious. That I wonder if a team will try and do basically what the Celtics did to the six with Matisse Thibel and just we're like okay well we're gonna take him so if you want him like come up with some sort of package and it won't be yeah. involved it'll be like basically what the deal was last year with the Sixers like just swapping of picks and things like that but I do wonder whether they will end up being like strong-armed into a little trade there because it just makes too much sense for them I think it's a reasonable question like, I totally do yeah because they really need that draft and stash yeah <laughs> they have no choice. <laughs> they have no choice. The one counter is that, okay, so Oklahoma City, Milwaukee, Utah, Denver, like those are the teams that are like above them a little bit. Those teams all only have the one pick. So like if the yeah. Celtics called OKC's bluff, OKC is just like doesn't get to have a player this year in the draft. <laughs> and like they might not care because they're tanking. They're about to tank anyway. So like who cares? Um, I do think that's something, you know, worth remembering that like, like a team could do that. But one of the reasons the Celtics could do that last year is because they had so many other picks that they were like, Hey, let's do a little, uh, let's screw with the Sixers a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So the 30th pick though, who do you guys like there? I mean, the weird thing about analyzing this draft class is that there's so many possibilities for who could be available there. Yeah. Some of my favorite late round guys, I've, I've really come around on Malachi Flynn. He's old and he's not that athletic, but he's good. You know, I've obviously been high on Cassius Stanley, super, super, super athlete, better leaper than Zion. I mean, that, that tells you something. And I, I also, I mentioned him earlier. I really like Emmanuel quickly. Another guy who kind of fits the Celtics mold, a Kentucky guard, another guy who kind of fits the Celtics mold of like a stud who struggled a little bit in college. 
college, but then he was pretty good this last year. Like he's a point guard. He's not like a high level creator, but he's just such a good shooter. And I think that's going to translate so well to where I think he's going to have an NBA career. You know, if I were the Celtics, I, I, I would be looking pretty hard at quickly because I think he will still be available at 30. I think he's going to be an NBA player for quite some time. And, and that's, you know, that's valuable. I like quickly a lot. I agree on that front on the kind of pivoting. If they were looking to improve their front court with one of those late picks, I think there could be a lot of interesting options back there. A guy like Xavier Tillman, he could go anywhere from 20 to 30, maybe even higher if someone wants him to contribute right away because he could. He's a really smart big. So he would be useful if they want to take a shot on a guy like Isaiah Stewart. Um, Real quick on Tillman. My thing yeah. with him is just like, I don't know. Not not that he and Grant can't coexist, but I'm just kind of yeah. like. They're very like, similar. They're very similar players and like very, very similar. high IQ, like, you know, a little bit underrated, like all this stuff. Like, like if I look at Xavier Tillman, I'm like, I already kind of have a Grant Williams. Like, I don't necessarily yeah. have a second. Yeah. So maybe they had 45 minutes before they had traded Grant Williams and then they have to take <laughs> Xavier Tillman. But I know I agree. They're basically the same person. So that, that, that could create some problems. But there's a lot of interesting uh, guys. I think Cassius Stanley would be a cool guy to take a flyer on. I mentioned Peyton Pritchard before. I do really think that he's going to be a good scorer in the NBA, a good backup piece to have in a backcourt. And similarly, Devon Dotson would Real be another gritty. interesting guy. Yeah, um, great. Sne- sneaky athletic. Yeah. All that with Peyton yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like buzzwords, as many buzzwords as we can think of. Uh, but like, I definitely think that Devon Dotson would be an interesting guy to have there too. There's, again, like these are guys who have relatively like higher floors than some of the late first rounders that we saw in years past. And so I think that will create a couple interesting ones. Uh, Jemais Ramsey too. I don't, I have no idea where he's going to go. There were rumors a he couple weeks ago. feels like he's ago. slipped a lot. And there were rumors a couple weeks ago out of nowhere that he was rising, but that was against all the other rumors we were hearing. So like, I have no idea where he's going to go, but he would be another interesting guy to take a flyer on. There's so much smoke at this time of year. And I feel like more so than normal because we've been doing this for so long. It's like agents have more opportunities to jump in and try and create their own narratives because, hey, we've been doing this for almost a year. So why not try it now? You guys have talked about him a lot. Killian Tilly, that's who KOC has at 30. Would you say that's too early to take a chance on him or would you go for it? I think it's totally worth it. I mean, that's a high, that's a low risk, high reward again, because say it doesn't work out. Well, it was the 30th pick, you know, whatever. And your but, third pick of the first round. Yeah. Right, exactly. And if he does work out, then you suddenly have a, a modern day big who can shoot the lights out and has a really good feel for the game. Like it's very, very low risk, very high reward. I think that there's actually quite a bit of value if you're the Celtics in kind of mixing this up a little bit, right? So we talked about like you can take kind of a shot at like a real star at 14. Like you can, you can take kind of a shot again at 47 because like who cares? You've already made all your picks by that point. You know, right. you might as well roll the dice a little bit. I think at 30, there's a lot of value in taking somebody who has a high floor because then you know you're getting like a contributor too. It's a way to like hedge the other picks. I totally agree. Exactly. And I think it makes total sense. Okay, so another mock draft from ESPN has the Celtics selecting Udoka Azubuki with the 30th pick. What do you guys make of that? Udoka is like that. He doesn't necessarily fit like the modern day big, but he would be another interesting like rim protector type big to bring in and kind of take a shot on. He's going to give you rebounds. I mean, he's pretty reliable at Kansas. If I had my choice, I don't think I would be selecting him uh, with any of my picks. But he's big, he's strong, and he can finish around the rim. So there's some positives there. But he's just not really – he doesn't really fit the modern game for me. Yeah, if I was going to take, like, a big, strong, not doesn't fit the modern game center, I would just take Isaiah Stewart. 
I, I feel good about the fact that I know Isaiah Stewart is going to work his tail off, and he's just an absolute brick house of a human being. They both are. I'm I'm higher on Isaiah Stewart than a lot of people are. I actually think that there's like some value in getting a guy who can uh, who can really body two years, three years down the road. I think there's a reasonable chance, like in a Celtic system, he could help against somebody like Joel Embiid. To answer your question, Nicole, no, I don't think I would. I would not use the thirtieth pick on Azubuki. So it's funny because I feel like in all the iterations of the mock drafts that we've discussed, you guys never agree with what ESPN picks. Like, and it's not even just like, oh yeah, I could see it. It's just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if that says something more about ESPN's success rate or you guys or just like the philosophies, but it is funny because every time I bring up, and it doesn't matter if it's like in the lottery or if it's at like 26, it's just you guys are just, just like, a hard no. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, nope, this isn't what I would do. Look, the national guys are, are really good at what they do, and I have immense respect for them. They know, you know, they're much, you know, very plugged in, and, and they know everything about this. I think there is some value to, like, what we do where we're hyper-focused on one team. Like, the Azubuki pick, I'm just like, I, I don't think the Celtics would make that pick. And I say that, and then, I, and then I remember that the Celtics went out and got Greg Monroe and Ennis Cantor in, like, two out of the last three seasons, so maybe I'm wrong. But, like, like I, I could not begin to tell you what I think Cleveland is going to do at number five. I, I, I couldn't tell you. But, like, I can tell you what I think the Celtics need, and I can tell you what... What I've seen from the guys in this draft that I think addresses that need. Okay, so I guess just to close, what would be your ideal draft day scenario for the Celtics, like with everything on the table, like trading up, stashing, trading down? How do you envision that day, November 18th, mm-hmm. going? Yes, November 18th. My ideal scenario, probably, we hit on it earlier, but if they sat tight at 14, went and got a backup point guard like a Kyra Lewis, who I think will be available, you know, he's an absolute, like, speedster. He'd be great in transition. He'd be a nice kind of change of pace, pardon the pun, for the Celtics. So you go with him at 14, and then you could package 26 and 30, maybe to try and move up to, say, 2019, somewhere in that range, and you go get a guy like Desmond Bain. I think that would be a really nice combination. And so that doesn't really do you many favors with the roster crunch, but I think that would be ideal. And then you, if you stick at 47, you take a two-way guy that you can work with over the next couple of years. So my, I mean, so my ideal scenario, I think would look pretty similar. There's basically three guards that I would just kind of be like, all right, you know, that makes sense at number 14. And that's RJ Hampton, Tyrell Terry, and uh, Kyra Lewis. And then I think, you know... (sighs) I think I think it's it's reasonable to try to package those two to move up, um, even if you only move up to like 23. And obviously that changes a little bit if I think if if Leandro Balmero is available at 26, because then you can just take him. We'll see if he is or not, but that would really help. And then at 30, I would really look at Emmanuel quickly. You know, it, it, there's Cassius Stanley, Robert Woodard has has been thrown to the Celtics a lot. I don't totally believe in him, um, including by ESPN. Did they really? Yeah. Yes. I mean, he's Chocolate. you know he's a big. <laughs> wing he's super super athletic I don't think he's going to be a shooter even though he hit 40% from three this last year he's like a 60% free throw shooter so I, I don't totally believe in him and then at 47 there's a lot of guys back there like I really like Skylar May if I had to nail it down I'll go 14 RJ Hampton 26 Bulmero 30 quickly and then at 47 I'd take Jay Scrub that's a that's a good collection good of guys yeah. some different options some different looks you know maybe some wings that could that could help you down the road I guess I would either go quickly or cash a Stanley at 30. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Geno Time. The draft is two weeks away, and we definitely will be covering what the Celtics choose to do. Again, we really appreciate any feedback you guys have on the show, and we will talk to you next week.